We'll be following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mays. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Two fancy for that. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Take with Willie Mason. And the big news from this week is that the good people of Panama have <laughs> they've twigged to how good we are. Oh, I don't know what's going on there. If we've been our money's been laundered properly, I think they must be listening properly. They must be listening. So they're number, listening. number 20. Number 20 in Panama. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I love South America. I don't know who does these surveys, but I feel like it's maybe weird. it is very weird they've that had we a bit of an error. Panama. Panama. In what, Panama. Hong Kong? We're known in Hong Kong We're in as Hong well. Kong too. So yep. pretty much worldwide. So we're what are Mr. we in worldwide. Australia? So we are, what, what are we, number 12 in Australia? In we sports? actually have hit number 12 in Australia for That's sports not too bad for what, 12 is... episodes? We just keep moving on up? I just want to know who's 11 and down so we can just take them out. We're coming for you, We're Lex. coming for you guys. I would just like to say a massive thank you to everyone yeah. that has been involved so far. It's obviously something that we really enjoy doing and, and the fact that people are getting something out of it and enjoying it is, is, is huge for us. Well, we must be on something, you know, like uh, on something good because they, they're listening and I just think that it's, it's that timing. It's all about timing. People are just sick of the same bullshit you're watching now or you're listening to on podcasts. What sort of people are they getting on? What sort of – what 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 – content are they spitting out it's the same shit i just keep saying like they just do their top players here their top players in this era so they just keep keep comparing each other to comparing each other i've been i've been asked all the time to name my best new south wales side and best bulldog side and i I was like i don't want to disrespect people who played in the 30s or even guys who played in the 90s in origin but people who disrespect the people that played you know the 70s and 80s with the bulldogs and even in the 90s with new south wales because these things are different they're different eras and would I'm you like, put would you put yourself in the top side? I'll tell you what, someone's having a party next door to our underground. Yeah, can bar, you hear it? Can they shut and the fuck up? They're very noisy, I would say. You but know what? This is what happens when this you are is it. we're just a couple of blokes in a shed, mate. Couple of blokes in a shed. But I just think, yeah, I just think it's disrespectful. I spoke to Minnie about it the other week, Minicello, and I was like, Have you been asked by New South Wales rugby league? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to disrespect Gary Jack and I don't want to disrespect Tedesco or yourself. And then I don't want to disrespect like Mary McGregor and Rod Wishart and all these legendary players or Chief Harrigan, all these guys that, and Bradley Clyde, guys that I watched and idolized and probably the, one of the main reasons I am who I am now through rugby league. I don't want to like replace those guys with guys that I played with because you can see the common denominator. They'd throw all the guys that they played with because going out to battle in an origin series is fucking it's a brotherhood and it means a lot. But then they'd pep they'd put a little bit of pepper in and throw Tedesco in there or throw a modern day player. But they don't want to throw the modern day player in. And the modern day player don't want to throw the the old guys in. And I would never want to throw them under the bus and disrespect any great players like that. So that's the reason why I haven't done it. And that's the reason why a lot of the players don't do it. I said, Joey, Joey, Joey will never do his top 13. Like they keep going Joey's best fullbacks and shit because he's such a – he loves the game and he respects the game too much to to go down that sort of path. But, you know, I think a lot of players do it and they just sort of want that credibility. Oh, my God, it's, you know, so-and-so's favourite fucking team. Nobody gives a shit. Well, here's one for you. Name your top 10 referees. I don't even think I can name two. I don't no. even know their names. Well, that's the whole point. 
because at the moment the referee other than the badger, sorry, the badge, the badge he's my boy, Barry Gomesall. So mean badge, sorry, oh, no, away throw under the bus, badge. You're good. No, he's got a good beard. Nah, he's the so best. the refs essentially have decided that uh, they're going to take the National Rugby League to fair work because they're going to drop from two refs to one ref. Now I can understand that referees are trying to protect their employment. Obviously, everyone's you know suffering through coronavirus and, mm. and but for the referees to decide that they are going to be the single thing that holds <laughs> up rugby league from coming back how far are we from robots refereeing it's, this, this is actually killing me like i'm not sure if they're, if they're kidding this del, del vecchio whatever his name is i'm not sure if he's a serious character or what he does but like it's sort of taking the piss like the amount of work that Volandis has done in the last three months or four months to try and get this ship back on track, get everybody's get everybody back to work from from the people that work at the grounds on the games to like into like into like what they're doing, all the marketing and all the teams back in the NRL. He's got all these jobs back, and now the referees don't want to join join the fucking fun and get everything back on the road. I'm not sure, man. I, I'm not sure how I feel because I understand, you know, that they they might they should have made this rule, you know, next year. But like, come on, man! Like, what are you doing? You're holding the whole game up, like, to try and get this equal pay, or they get these two two refs back. I'm not sure what their end game is. They've, we've decided it's going to be one ref. I th- I'm pretty. I'm not sure how 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 it's done with with the pace with with all the paying and stuff like that I'm pretty sure they can work something out when they get the same amount of money that they would have got in 2020 regardless maybe take a hit like the rest of the whole world has but don't stand in front of the fucking game like this man like it pisses people off and if there is time for technology to jump right in and take over the referees and make them disappear forever it's fucking now because they should not be standing in front of the game right now when We've worked so hard to get back, and now look who we're standing in front. These guys haven't got a leg to stand on. It's funny too because, I mean, I, I try and – I'm not – as you know, I'm not big on Twitter. I'm not big on social media. But I go on Twitter, and all of a sudden there's like hashtags of I stand with the referees. Now, from my perspective – Go stand I, with them. But go and stand with them the somewhere games. else. You know what I mean? Like stand with them wherever you like. Stand with them on the sideline. Stand with them in a pub watching the game. But do not hold the game up because Hell. at the end of the day, oh. the referees are not there to be the centrepiece of the game. They're not. And if you think that the referees don't have egos, why the fuck is this happening now? That's right. And if you think they're not blind, you know, do you know what I mean? It's always like sometimes you just watch the games like, fuck, this ref thinks it's all about him. Now, now, now I know where they get it from. There's two of them. Do you know what I mean? It's two like, of them. I don't know. I don't, and I don't understand because I'm, I'm, I'm mates with 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 uh, with some refs. Like the badge is a really good dude, but I'm not sure who this Del Vecchio is or what he does or what he stands for. But dude, it's questionable. Well, I'm he's, like, he's why the fuck to are you? He's standing up. I'm Verland, he's, I know he's standing up for him, but like, if they got a, a, a referees plays association, I'm not sure. Yeah, they do. Like, referees they union. Do. The referees, Everyone's got a referees union. union. Right? They should just wake up because the game's going to go past them. The game needs the players. I, I did not, some, we don't need the referees that much. I looked at it and I thought, how much are referees actually getting paid? There's a thing, I don't know. I, I mean, again, research, let's be honest, it's not our strong point on this show. It, but um, I looked at it and a referee now, the, the, the enterprise bargaining agreement meant that a referee in 2022 was going to get paid 300 grand. 300 Excuse grand me? to be a referee. 
the the standard contract for a like the base contract for an NRL player. It's is not 100. even a hundred. It's not even one hundred and twenty grand. No, it's a hundred. So referees are getting paid. I mean, if you want to talk about cost cutting and stuff like that, if the referees want to do this and hold the game to ransom, you know what? I'm all for everyone's jobs and everything like that. But if you want, if they're if they're not smart enough, most of these the the referees association to go. Okay, all right, everyone's hurting. We just need to like look, just get this back on the road, and we'll all be fine. Otherwise, they'll get replacements from whoever is the lesser tier and say, "Come on and ref this game." It's not hard. It's not, we can't replace Cherry Evans or Tal Malolo or Fafitas and Payne Harses and all these great players, but we can replace you. This well, is they, not a fucking, this is not, uh, this is not a really hard predicament for me if I'm, if I'm Volandis. I mean, maybe if they, they try and sue the NRL or some shit like that, but like to get the game up and running next week, like if I was, if I was a ref and I know what sort of backlash this, this could, what this could mean for my job, I'm like, let's just go, let's just go with it, get done with it, come with it, come up with some sort of bullshit and just get it on the road because everyone's done so much hard work for this to let the refs sit back and control what's going on in the narrative right now. They reckon that that what they should be looking for is 22 year olds because they reckon the only way you become a referee is if no one turns up, you're 21st. If you don't have one person come to your 21st, yeah. you've pretty much got a career as a referee. Yeah. So they need to go and find anyone who's 22 that had poorly attended yeah, 21st. Yeah, no one can't. No can can so you can be a ref now, mate. You're a ref. And there's no crowds to boo you. There's no fucking spotlight. So you can get whatever you want. I just, I'm really, I'm really disappointed in what's happening. Like I've, I've read it the last couple of weeks. I try not to read the news, but it's hard when I'm just on my phone all the fucking time. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter. It's just all negativity, negativity about the refs. This is this this group of people, referees. You are not in a power position. Del Vecchio, whatever your name is, get the brain trust of all this bullshit, mate. Get your crew together so we can get this ship on the road because we've worked too hard for this. Hashtag shut your mouth, refs. So <laughs> we've got the other backlash. Well, it's not really a backlash, but and. Full disclosure, Greg Inglis is a very, yeah. very good friend of ours. Mm. Um, we've had him on the show and you actually spoke to him earlier tonight. Yeah. Greg has signed a contract, a one-year contract with the Warrington Wolves um, in the English Super League. The misconception is that he medically retired from the game. He never medically retired. No. And the reason and the big reason that he never medically retired is because he was owed close to a couple of million bucks by the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and he forwent that money to just walk away from the game. So he was not paid one cent from his contract. And people think that. People think that he got paid his million dollars, don't they? They do. Because they but have he no was idea. Not. He, he walked away. He wasn't in a good state. He, he wasn't loving the game at that yeah. stage. He, he, you know, his body wasn't great. But um, in saying that, he also knew that he wasn't going to be able yeah. to be the leader that he wanted to be, the yeah. player that he knew he was. So and for him to be wearing any shit over taking this contract where he can go overseas, live a different life, you know, experience a different GI, culture. Not be GI, he can be Greg Inglis. And, I mean, I had a lot of discussions in the last, you know, in the six to eight weeks, even before he came on the show, I knew that he was going to go to Warrington. But as I just keep echoing, we're not that sort of show to try and, you know, ask those questions to try and get the first scoop or anything like that. You know, we could have said that in the last couple of weeks even. But, you know, he trusts us and a lot of the guys do trust us. That's why they come on. But, um, like, I know for a fact that he he, he did retire because he, he mentally wasn't fit. 
You know, like he like and he he physically wasn't fit as well. So both factors and I knew I knew mentally he just wasn't right to go. And he told me this before he retired. He goes, I'm just not I'm just not not there, you know. He had he had personal problems and he had to deal with them. So that sort of fit the requirements to be medically retired, am I right? Well, because essentially, and, he, and he's had so many reoccurring injuries: his yeah, shoulder, but, his but knee. Physically, he could have continued yeah. in those times. But he, you know what he could have done? He could have easily just ran on the field, said, "I've pulled my hammy," sat the gear out, yeah, got paid his million dollars, and come back the yeah. next year, done the same thing. And that's the thing that as a mark they, of the man, he chose not to do that. He chose to say, "I'm not right to continue." Souths were given a salary cap exemption. Yes. And that's probably more that's of the, the issue. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I love the fact that he retired because he couldn't give what Greg Inglis is, what GI is. gives what he does all the time. So he went, I can't give the fans this. I can't give the club this. I retire. I give that so much respect. And now GI's back and he's back at his best and he wants to play and it, a physical. Physical GI is unstoppable, but if he's mentally prepared and he actually wants to prove someone wrong, like he's unstoppable, he'll go over there and he will carve the shit out of everyone. He'll be man of steel. But I mean, he's going to play left center. You got Blake Austin there. He's got he's got Gareth Widdop, who are good. They 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 swap between five eight and um, fullback, and the amount of attention he will be getting. Whoever that five eight and the center and and the back rower is are going to be scoring so many tries. I'll be thanking God. A lot of the people who don't understand the little variables and nuances of the game, they won't get it. But if you do get football, Greg Inglis being on that left edge is ridiculous because he's going to be known over there as a superstar. They'll look at the, like it's a fucking his aura. You know what I mean? Like Rick James or something like that. <laughs> he'd be like, he's just, I just seen his aura. I seen his aura. That's about <laughs> it. It'd be like I seen Greg Inglis and like they because they these young English kids have watched Greg Inglis just be this fucking absolute machine everywhere, every level, nonstop for the last ten to fifteen years, and now they get to play against Greg Inglis. And let's be honest with the Super League. Most most blokes that go over to the Super League are either blokes that couldn't quite make it or blokes that are at the end of their career yeah. and they're not – to get a name like Greg Inglis, Warrington's already – they've made their money mm. because they will sell so many yep. tickets, yep. assuming people can go to games, but yeah. they can sell Greg Inglis jerseys. They, can, that, that, they will make their money from Greg Inglis Easily. 100%. And the way that he puts himself in the community and the, some of the comments that he said he wants to he knows it's it's deep it's it's rich in his, in a lot of history they've won a lot of challenge cups they've won a lot of super league things and he's like they've fallen short with a couple of things either the challenge cup or the super league and he's like I want to take him over the edge. He's that dude to do that of yeah. any of any person right now and it's great the super league has actually reached out to him. I mean I think Andrew Johns played a undercover sort of thing in this because me and Joe, Joey and myself have been speaking the last sort of six weeks and he's still got a very good uh, relationship for his little stint over With there Warrington, in yeah. Warrington. So he told me, which was weird, the next day after GI told me. So that's how that's how, that's how um, how close the talks were and how serious the talks were. And it's been going, for those that don't understand, it's been going for a while. This isn't an yeah, overnight Yeah, this is decision. not Greggy just waking up yesterday going, yeah, I might just play for Warrington. You know, yeah. I look, I've seen GI the last, you know, about four times in the last six weeks. And he looks fit and he looks motivated. It's a different sort of GI where a GI just keeps going, yeah, bro, I'm sweet. I'll just, I'll just play. I'll just and, play. And he's run it past 
He's run it past Sally and the kids. He's run it past Elise, Everyone, his partner, yeah. who's going. Like, it's this is the right decision for Greg Inglis at this time. And, and it's about time he makes a decision for Greg Inglis because he's been right. told what to do his whole career. Now he's making his own decision where he can live in the north of England. He's not Greg Inglis, fucking superstar, Maroon star, Australian star, South Sydney star. Like, he can just cruise around the wire and just be cruisy. I mean, like, it's what he loves, man. Look, why do you think he's living out? On a farm, mm. building shit. Like he doesn't, he's not about this life where, you know, eastern suburbs life or Sydney life where he's part of that. You know, he wants that stardom and that. He does, that's not Greg Inglis as a person. Like we know, both know Joe. He just wants to chill out. Yeah. But he was so good at fucking footy. Like everyone thought that he wanted that sort of life. He never did. No. It just it just come with the territory. So I'm happy for GI. And I'm sure we'll get him on the show when all this. Um, COVID shits all over, and he said he would come on. So, be good to get him sitting in this, uh, sitting in the studio, and um, just letting him talk. And he's just—he deserves everything he gets because he's been such a strong servant for the game. One thing that Souths, other than losing Greg, Greg as a you know development officer, uh, they've also in the news because Cody Walker decided to karate kick a bloke. And whatever, the thing that I'd like to discuss with you, William, is. Blackmail in rugby league. This is a new one. This mm. is probably you know. I always said we're twenty years behind America of all that shit. Is this a, is blackmail a thing in the states? Is that a? Oh no, I think a lot of a lot of people sort of trick a lot of these athletes into a lot of things. You know, like where it could be a hell of a lot of things, like especially what one that they've come up with now. I mean, like. I just I think I, mean, you know, I don't really want to comment on it that much. Cody Walker no, coming with I don't flying, want to talk about that, but I just want to talk about good. the whole concept of His blackmail. Technique was good. You like that? It did look like. Have you seen like um, Charlie Murphy kid. and Rick James when he kicks him in the chest? <laughs> he's been cleared, and he's he been cleared by chest. police. So yeah, I mean, no, I, mean, I no think drama. it's harmless. It's a couple of Obviously, this is the, the streets. climate that we live. This is the climate that we live in, and things are filmed all the time. He wouldn't even have known it. I mean, he's sticking up for a cousin. I mean, he didn't kick him in the head, but he kicked him straight in the chest. Uh, it's not the right thing to do, but he's. He's come out. He's come out. He's taking full accountability for it, and he'll take the punishment. He knows it's bad. It's bad luck with James Roberts. You know, um, shout out to James who put himself into rehab because he knew he was going through a bit of a tough time. And and I think it's uh, it's a credit to him and his character because it takes a man to sort of to realise that you have got a problem and he is in rehab right now. And all the best to him. I mean, I think maybe because he's been in rehab, it's 14 days quarantine before he even gets back to the team. So there's no hope that he's going to be playing round one. But I just think it's a it's a strong thing to do. I, I, I wanted to mention it last week, but we didn't have – I just lost track of time. But um, he was uh, – you know, he's – you know that I mean, he's just, it's just a strong thing to do, isn't it, as a man? 100%. And, and, he's, and what it's not really is, in my opinion, what it's not is public news. Because yeah. what he did was he went of his own volition without an incident. He, he went and he said to people, I need help. Yep. And all of a sudden it's in the press. And that it, that is the thing that gets me is yep. a bloke has done nothing wrong. He's just admitted that he needs some help individually. Yep. And all of a sudden it's press. And, and, I, and I just think out of just say next week when we all start playing, um, there's probably there's 272, 17 players get to like they live out their dream next week. They do, every single one of them. So there's 272 players in the NRL at the moment. They get to play next week. Let's not forget the other kids that are playing 
that aren't in NRL. You know, from under 15s, which when it gets when it gets a little bit serious in Harold Matz, all the way up to reserve grade. These kids can't play. They can't train with clubs. Maybe they can do it now with 10 people. But let's spare a thought and let's try. I hope the NRL have really got some um, programs in place for their mental health because these kids, they don't get to play. You know, just say if you're a young kid, 18, 19, thinking, yeah, I'm, this year's my year, this year's my year. You aren't you aren't even with a club. You have no – if you're not in the top 30 right now and you might have that breakout kid, which kids do all the time. In, in You always have that kid in, in a club that goes from under-19s or reserve grade to first grade. And I didn't play for Australia. Josh Adokarnelli did that as well. So I just think – I hope they have some things in, in place because mental health is such a big thing right now. If James Roberts is, is – has done such a brave thing, but a lot of these young kids, a lot of Polynesians, a lot of, a lot of Indigenous, a lot of like a lot of like minorities and Australians as well, like they're at home doing nothing. You know, they, they they might have to go get another job. They might have to do all this kind of stuff. And I, I think it's the club's responsibilities because these kids are our future. I don't care if they're under they're fifteens. In five years, they're going to be our future of the game. And then it keeps going up, and it gets closer and closer. So the seventeens, eighteens, nineteens—that's where the age where they don't really know themselves, and now they're getting thrown out of their club. So they think mentally that their dreams have been shattered, and so they need they need that um, structure around their home place, which a lot of young kids don't have. So I hope to fucking God that the NRL teams. And really hold it respond like accountability towards themselves on those young kids. Because I don't hear any stories. I heard a horror story about a young Bulldogs kid last year who who committed suicide over some pro- problems that the club didn't realise. And I think that should send shockwaves through the whole NRL. And if it doesn't, they're idiots. But be more proactive. Don't be reactive. And I just think it's on the it's it's on the the NRL teams to be um to be on top of that kind of stuff because there's a, there's thousands of kids, as I said, there's 272 players to get to live out their dream. There could be kids on debut. There's vets. There's middle of the road players. There's people that's been busting their balls for years to try and get to the NRL. But be mindful. There's thousands of kids that they're not even near or can even think about playing NRL. So. And also, if you're the sort of grub who thinks that it's okay to film someone doing something and then trying to sell it, then you need to have a massive look at yourself. Yeah, you're a piece and of shit. If you're a, a high-profile sports person in Australia, this is the new reality of life. Let's if be, someone's there and yeah. you're doing something wrong, not necessarily illegal, but if you're doing something that you wouldn't want to be publicised and someone's got their camera out, then you need to go over, you need to take the phone off them and you need to delete whatever it is because there is no need for – what has happened to Cody Walker yeah. to be in the public domain? I know. It's a, I mean, obviously it's made front page news and everything like that. It's all about clickbait. It's all bullshit. No, I mean, it's not all bullshit, but it's, it's, it's just something that I look at and sort of laugh. I think I was back in Toronto West just rolling around when I was 15 or 16, just giving fly kicks. <laughs> you actually would be all right with a fly kick yeah. too. Oh, it'll get you. <laughs> These long legs, mate. A wise man once said, William, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> Do you know what I can smell? Right, what's that? Success. 
Yeah, man. It was oi, what a great weekend. We I'm are. so happy to ride the coattails again. No, because it's it's where it I've only got together. those two wins on the start, and I can't wait to the NRL to be back next week so I can start making some proper bets and know what I'm talking about. But you blokes are on fire. Yeah, well, I'm kind of – I've got a problem. So this is, <laughs> You haven't got a problem, mate. We've all got problems. I actually, you know – Our producer, how do you go? Craig? He's, well, he talked a massive no, game, mate. He's, he's had, talked a massive game. He's backed a favourite, not one. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I've backed a lot of favourites because my horse apparently was – Yours a moral, was a special. Moral, a Yours moral. was a moral. Yeah, a moral, um, and it comes second. You're actually a mock. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Hass. Hass, 99, I'm sorry. I love how you throw him under. I'll tell you what, I'm though. A, I'm throwing him right under. Right under, every you week. You know exactly I'm not coming up with his shit. I know, Hass. It's, you're trying your best, mate. But I do, because we read reviews and things like that because we want really. to engage. You don't. Oh, yeah. But someone, Depends someone, right on. someone said that they loved the show, but our tips were shit. And let me yeah. tell you, you need to change that review. Uh, we had uh, four weeks of shit. That's about it. Great content. Shit tips. Well, we're up now. So let's ring Jared and find out how hurt he is that we're winning. (laughs) He reckons he's on our side. The profit, profit. Let's ring him now. Put the headphones on. Hey, guys. How are you? Jared, how are we, mate? I'm very well, thanks, Ian. How are you? Mate, I'm a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're on, our, if you're on our, we're actually not going to put you on our thread, our um, our text um, little group that we've got going. So the amount of shit talk that's going on between our producers and Ian is fucking phenomenal. My whole weekend is hilarious, and I'm just saying, <laughs> did did mine did mine win? Did it come first or second or third? Would oh. you would you say he's the biggest mock that's ever lived? Uh, well, look, we haven't had a lot of luck with uh, with Will's hit. So oh, man. <laughs> Just stick with me, Neds. Yay. When the footy well, comes got- up, when the rugby league comes up, I'm a good one. They're happy sticking with yeah. me. It cost them nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great. It's my favourite oh, sponsor. Awesome. <laughs> I'm the best sponsor ever. <laughs> so we uh, – well, we did. For those that are listening and those that followed our tips, uh, they would know that we got two of the three tips up. And uh, we've done all right, Jared. Where are we up to? We uh we're overall for the racing now we're back up to six hundred dollars. Hey, so that's good. We're, I think with a decent week this week we can actually go back into the footy season. Can you just put uh, that whole six hundred on uh, race six number two, please? <laughs> I've made the. I think we're going to just keep it at the fifty dollars, actually, William. But thank you, yeah, thank yeah, you I, for that. <laughs> I think he's dreaming from an extremist. Form, yeah. So, going into the footy, look, I'll be honest with you, Jared. I feel as though William's skill is definitely NRL. I like to consider myself a renaissance man, and so I'll probably stick with the horses, I think. So, me and you will talk. uh, I'm going to try try and get better at this sport. I told you, I've got good tips. They're just in a – they're in a slump. I'm sorry. All the listeners out there and an edge. But, hey, I've got a good team with me here, so we're winning. And you've got enough vices. You don't need to add in horses to that. Thank you. Let's, <laughs> so, Jared, what we have got for you this week, we have got Will's tip, we have got my tip, and then we have also got the producer's tip. Now, the producer hasn't told me. Is this me, going to be a segment, the producer's tip? I hope not. No, I reckon he's going all right in my books. I'll tell you what, he won't ever appear on the radio on because on <laughs> his audio is awful. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go first. And I'm going to get mine out of the way because there's not much to talk about. Eagle Farm race six number two, Wild Ruler. From all reports, it's flying and should win this. So hey, there you go. <laughs> oh, Tip from Willie red. Mason. Target um, is red. Oh my god, the target <laughs> yeah. is red. That's what he said. Oh my god. Well, uh, what do you reckon? What do you reckon, Prophet? Prophet. Um, 
I, I reckon you should have got Huey Bowman on the phone like you've been talking about the last Mate, I'm going to get him on next week. I'm going to get him on next week. I'm done. I'm uh, done with his shit. I'm done with Huey. Footy starts next look, week. No, I'm, I'm going with Huey. I don't care about the footy. We can talk footy all day. I can talk footy all day, but we can't talk to Huey Bowman every week. I'm getting him. No, fair. Oh, okay, well, this horse here, Wild Ruler, there is no denying that he looks a pretty promising type. We are heading back into the two-year-old ranks here, and that didn't bode particularly well oh, for us a couple are we? of weeks ago. Yeah, we're, we're back up to Brisbane here, though, and this is a listed race. This horse, Wild Ruler, runs into two pretty hot horses here, one particularly by the name of Rothfire. He has recorded three wins and a second placing from his four career starts so far. So there's no doubt that this tip is going to need to be at his absolute What's best. What's it paying, like 20 bucks? So, Well, no. no. <laughs> I was going to say, in saying that, he does have the fitness edge over a couple of these rivals, and it's only a small field, so that you know that that's never a bad thing. So he's like he's the Nathan Hindmarsh of horses at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, well, he's around a $7 shot at the moment. I think that's probably about the right price for him. All right. All right, if we win, yeah. you know, we'll be flying this I, week. I, I can honestly say, Jared, we've been doing this for a while now, and that is the yep. least mm. positive you've sounded about a tip by a factor <laughs> of about a million. Well, it could We're, be a good thing because I'm sick yeah. of getting all the raps before and getting let down on the weekend because it is it's disheartening. That's not the Profit Profit's fault. That's Has This Salas is me fault. and Has <laughs> and PK calling us out. Come on. Uh, all right, well, I'll go next, Jared. Uh, yeah. And I had, I had a number of... Horses that I liked. Um, yeah. But what's got me over the line is the name of it, the Aussie Nugget. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. He owes me yeah, from well. last week. And I yeah. feel as though this is going to win and win comfortably. Yeah, look, he doesn't look like he knows how to run a bad race looking at his form here, to be honest. Um, he beat a couple of pretty decent horses at Ballarat 2 back. And he's coming around second to the informed shot of Irish, who's won two or three in a row, something like that now. Uh, Aussie Nugget, he is rock hard fit, and I, I think this. I, I tend to agree with you, Ian. I think this is a pretty winnable race for him, to be honest. We were talking about him earlier today, and he's actually already been backed into three dollars forty favoritism. But I took the early price of four dollars twenty just for the sake of our punters here. So that's the price we've locked in. Do you know what? That's very generous of you, and what's also <laughs> very generous is throwing away money on our producers' tip. Because yeah. <laughs> the bloke is, I'm not going to say he knows nothing about anything, but he's yeah. probably one level above that. He won't tell me what the tip is. Yeah. You can inform me and then I'm going to poo-poo it. Go. Okay. Well, to, to be fair, he is one from one so far. I don't want to hear that sort of, I don't want to hear that positive talk, Jared. <laughs> okay. He has selected Reykjavik, who is going around in the, uh, in the listed race at Flemington on Saturday. And to be fair, I don't hate this horse either. He actually ran third in a 1,200-metre race at Caulfield, which was his first race of the year a couple back. Then he ran in the Wangoom Handicap, which is a listed race at Warrnambool last start. I actually tipped him on that day, but he was drawn the car park, had to do way too much uh, work too early. And he's probably just a run too short there as well. So I think he's, he's going around at 10 or $11 here. Mm. Uh, I, I, I hate to go against what you're saying here, Ian, but uh, it might be two from two for the uh, for the producer heading back into the footy season. Oh, I'm torn because I really oh, do so want to get money for our club, but yeah. I also don't yeah. want to see this black carry on for another seven days. It's been very, <laughs> very, very painful. Well, Jared, thank you again. Uh, we uh, well, we're confident this week, I think, and um, yeah. 
I, I would say if we get all of these up, we'll probably be up over a grand, won't we? We will be. Yeah, I think so. And that would mean that we're well and truly, like I said before, in the green above what we've actually outlaid these bets here. So a uh, good way to go back to the NRL season. Well, do you know what, Jared? We haven't outlaid one cent you have. So as yeah. far as I'm concerned, no, we're, sure. we're, <laughs> we're 600 <laughs> up. So thanks Thank again, mate. We really say, appreciate yeah. all your support and uh, we'll speak to you next week, mate. Thanks, Jared. Not, not, not at all, guys. Thanks. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. See ya. See ya. Um, William. Uh, gamble responsibly, guys. Gamble responsibly. Can you please? Can you please? Definitely do. It's all important. Right. It's very important. My life could be described as... Uninteresting, Will. And so when that's I your, that's sit, what you put out to everyone. That's well, yeah. that's that's exactly what I'm putting out. My life is made more exciting, however, by the black book, mm. the famous Willie Mason black yeah. book. Yeah. Well, I've just been diving into it the last sort of month because you know we had you know Boyd Corden. I thought he's great. He's Australian captain, New South Wales captain, and then we've had Minicello, Sam Burgess. Um, who else did we have on? You kind of your black books are big, kind of remember. G-I. We've had G-I. And, then I, and then I just thought, like, we might just start talking out of rugby league, you know? Like, let's, you know, let's start getting into, in, into my black book because most of those guys are they, they're mates. I can just ring them up and we go for a coffee and all that sort of stuff. But I just thought, you know, we'll get Johnny Stefan, you know, Joel Parkinson, and then tonight, you know, James Magnuson. I've become friends with him through Body Science. Shout out to Pico and the G Man, always looking after us. But um, I met him like about four or five years ago, right when he was in his peak and all that kind of stuff. But I just—he was a real interesting sort of bloke. He wasn't just a guy that was, he had no, who had no substance to him. He was a guy who was—he had a drive, he had a personality, which obviously Australia sort of turned on him at the end of the at the end of the day. But like, he's an interesting cat, man. Like, and he's on the same sort of wavelength. And I think maybe he wishes he played rugby league at the end of the day. Well, he's a big unit. He's, he's a phenomenal huge, swimmer. Have you seen him? He's a like phenomenal he's about, swimmer. Yeah, he's a freak. So let's get him on the phone, get right. that big black book of yours right, out and uh, give him a call. Um, yeah, we've got James Magnuson on the phone now, one of the legendary swimmers. Um, what's going? On? What's been going on, mate? Not much, big fella. Just cruising through this uh, lockdown and staying out of trouble. Yeah, how you been keeping busy, man, honestly? Um, I started up a new business actually, so um, kind of noticed that a lot of people were posting on social media and um, talking to me about trying to get their hands on gym equipment. So me and a couple of mates started a new company. Um, we're in the gym equipment business, oh, so it's been pretty wild. But um, yeah, it's kept, it's kept me busy for sure. Mate, I had a look at your – I did a bit of research because it's all about research on this show. We're very important. <laughs> but, um, mate, I had a look at your Instagram page and what about the rig on you? It's if you're selling ripped. gym equipment, I'd need – can I just buy it and look like you? You are ridiculous. <laughs> I think people really get scared. The first time I met Mags was a couple about, I don't know, probably three years ago and we are doing a cooking thing for body science. I was like, how fucking big is he? Like, he's about six foot six. Like, you're a Port Macquarie boy, I know that. When you were younger, Max, like, did you ever think about playing union or league? I know you're a Bulldog supporter and everything like that, rugby league supporter, but fuck me, you'd look good in a lock jersey with the Wallabies, I reckon. Yeah, I, I played league right up until I was 18, so I pretty much stopped playing league because I made the Australian swim team. Um, oh, wow. Port, yeah, Macqu- Port Macquarie Sharks? My, yeah, all my junior footy was the Port Macquarie Sharks. Um, played, played fullback when I was younger and then moved up to second row when I was older. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, loved it. Um, always yeah. dreamed, always dreamed of being a rugby league player, but um, swimming kind of um, picked me. Okay, well, 
How, how did you go with swimming? I mean, swimming is honestly the most brutal sport in the world from, I guess, a training perspective and from there, – there's so many things that go into being a swimmer. What When you say swimming picked you, is that because you were just performing so well that it just basically meant that that was where you ended up? Yeah, it just it came a lot. It came a lot more naturally to me. Um, swimming's quite um, quite easy in the fact that it's um, very objective. So, if you win a race, you go to state. You win at state, you go to nationals. You win at nationals, you're on the Australian team. Coming from Port Macquarie, it's bloody hard to get picked in any sort of um, football development squads or try and get yourself into SG ball or anything like that. So for me. Swimming was a very easy pathway. Um, I felt natural at it, and and it kind of gave me um, a way to to build a career, I guess. All right. Um, let's just always ask some of the most of the athletes. So I just say if you're like 14, 15, 16, that's when I started thinking about what I wanted to be and, and how focused I would be on rugby league and how much I wanted it. You at 15, 16, you said you were still playing rugby league, but you obviously were. Uh, an elite swimmer like which how did you how did you those crossroads when did you select swimming to go full-time all right I'm done with rugby league I want to be did you did you focus on winning Olympic gold did you focus on just being in the Olympic team or just like what sort of what were your goals in and what were you focused on yeah so again it's a bit hard coming from Port Macquarie so we only had one pool in town and the pool closed uh between April and September every year so I could only train half the year (laughs) Um, so a couple of times when I was younger, I got picked on Australian youth teams and was going away to compete in June and July, and I just hadn't trained in three months. So um, it, was a, it was a weird situation, and um, nobody from Port Macquarie had ever made an Olympic Games. So every time I kind of said in front of everybody, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind being a swimmer, like I wouldn't mind going to the Olympic Games, everyone used to shut me down pretty hard and say, you know, it's not possible um, you can't you can't do that coming oh, from really? a country town. Um, so for me, you know, I, I kind of use swimming as a way to. Um, uh, first of all, it got me a scholarship to university, so that was kind of a way to, to get out of Port Macquarie. Um, but if, it always kind of seemed a distant dream. Um, I, I always had it in the back of my head that I'd love to be a swimmer. Um, but the other thing about swimming, when you go to these competitions. Every second kid in Australia swims during school. Like there's a million kids at these competitions. So there's always a bigger fish in the pond and and it always seems um, quite unrealistic. So probably wasn't until I was about 18 and I made this the uh, Commonwealth Games team that year that I actually started to believe that, um, you know, I I could make a a proper living out of it. It's funny too because – I swam when I was a kid, you know, one of those every second kid who swims. And we yeah. had a kid at school that I swam with him at club as well and he was just a freak, you know, like he was just a, such a good swimmer. And, you know, we, we were in relay teams and won state medals just on his back. And he went all the way to the Sydney Olympic trials and came fourth. And so yeah. missed out on Olympic spot in 2000. So he'd basically given up you know, 15 years of his life to, to that level of training, to that level of dedication. And it's not like he's a household name, but he was the fourth best swimmer in Australia. It must be very difficult, that fine line between making it as a swimmer and thinking, am I going to just keep going and doing what I'm doing and maybe not getting to that level? Did you ever worry about that side of it? Yeah, probably more so the people around me worried about that more than myself. Um, 
So at, eight, at 18, I kind of dropped out of university and put all my eggs in one basket and just said, stuff it, I'm, I'm going for it. And uh, a lot of people have asked me since, like, oh, looking back, you know, what was your plan B? What would you have done if you didn't become a swimmer? And uh, the, 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 the truth is I quit everything and for me it was swimming or bust. Like I had no plan B and that was part of what drove me in those early years of my career to be so successful was if I wasn't swimming, I was probably going to be, um, you know, moving back to Port Macquarie and just bumming around. So, you know, I put all my eggs in one basket. I didn't give myself a plan B and I really um, went all out on, on making a career of my, out of myself. But um, for every one story like mine, there's, you know, there's, there's 10 stories where things don't go so well. And a lot of my mates that I've swum with over the years, didn't make that Australian team, didn't didn't um, kind of catch that break. And, um, you know, it, it is a pretty tough lifestyle to maintain when you're not getting paid and you're not representing your country and you're not getting any sort of um, support out of the sport. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, hard luck stories out there as well. Did a lot of them come out of the AIS though? Or like were you ever thinking about going down and, and getting in those sort of programs or that wasn't an option for you? Yeah, so so when I finished, uh, when I was sort of finishing school in year twelve, I had a couple of options. I could have come um, to Sydney and swum um, at, at university. I could have gone to America and swum in the college system, or I got offered to go down to the AIS on a scholarship to Canberra. Um, and I went down to, to Canberra and trained for about a week. I think I, it was meant to be a, a longer trial or something like that. I went down to Canberra and I just said, "I'll never." live and train down here i hated it with a passion <laughs> they, had all these, they had all these rules like you're not allowed out of your room after nine o'clock you know no alcohol no going into the girls rooms all these rubbish things and i was like no nah, this is not the lifestyle for me let's <laughs> just um let's talk about the focus and the training like always we always um i've always known a couple of really good swimmers and they just think the training is so monotonous and crazy like let's just talk about like how you were training in just say 2010, you know, 2011, yeah. we're leading up the world champs just after Commonwealth Games. Like what's – what? just run us through like just your ordinary day leading up to the Olympics. What sort of training were you doing? What's, what numbers were you pushing out? And how hard were you doing it nutrition-wise, like mentally focus-wise and just training, yeah. just the amount of work? Just run us by a day if you can remember. Yeah, so a normal day would sort of be wake up about 5.30 – get to the pool by six, then you sort of spend half an hour to an hour on land at the pool, um, getting through all your rehab, prehab stuff, warming up, um, do a bit of mindset stuff sometimes at the pool. Then you spend probably two and a half hours in the pool. Um, A normal swimming session for me would be anywhere between, say, four to eight kilometres. Wow. It's a mix of things on different days. So, you know, same as most sports, some days you do endurance, some days speed, some days power, some days skills, all that kind of thing. Um, Straight from there over to the New South Wales Institute of Sport. So this is in Homebush. Um, Then we do things like ice baths, massage, recovery, all that kind of stuff. Then hop out of there, have something to eat, do a couple of hours um, in the gym. Um, again, that can be a mixture of things, either strength, endurance, power, those kind of things. Um, eat again, head back over to the pool, do another couple of hours in the pool, um, finish in the pool, then do a bit of a debrief of the day, a bit of a stretch and a, and a cool down, 
um, and then sort of get home um, at, at night time that night. So wow. it's uh, it's a full time job, um, which I think a lot of people they see the Olympic Games and they think, oh, this guy only swims two laps. Like there can't be that much that goes into it. Mm. Um, but because it's a sport where every country in the world invests quite a lot of money and time into it. Um, and there is a, a bit of prestige in Olympic Games. You know, you think the two uh, main events at the Olympic Games are probably the 100 metres running yeah. and the 100 metres freestyle and swimming. So um, because of that, you've really got to um, tick all those boxes and make sure you're getting all those 1% percenters right because there's people all around the world that will, um, you know, overtake you if you don't. Yeah, well, let's um, let's talk about your lead up to the Olympic Games. I actually had to like um, Google you today, and just because amount someone was talking shit about, oh, geez, he said a lot of smack before the com- before the Olympic Games. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I don't really remember because I remember being here in Australia and everything like that. Like, I yeah. honestly don't think you were that cocky. Like, you were just that yeah. fucking good at that time. All you were doing was saying the truth. I'm like, what the fuck are they crucifying this kid for? <laughs> You're a 19, 20 year old. I look at it and just going. Fucking oath, he should say that. He's just blasted yeah. everybody. He hasn't lost for like 12 <laughs> or 13 races. You just won the world champs, your commonwealth, everything like that. I don't yeah. understand. I think it's just Australian. It's just the way the Aussies saw it. We build you up so fucking big and you fail and they just want to make you the worst fucking person in the world. Like how do you feel yeah. about all that shit? I mean, I don't think you're hit with, hit with that brush at all. I think you're going to go down as one of our greatest swimmers. But like where did you get that confidence from leading up to the – to the Olympic Games, was it just you just speaking the truth? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So, I mean, day to day life, I'm pretty laid back. Obviously, I'm from Port Macquarie, so yeah. I've had a pretty humble upbringing. The the difference is, and um, you see it a lot in the track sprinting at the Olympic Games. So, if you want to be the best in the world at the Blue Ribbon event, like if you want to really be the number one swimmer in the world. You've got to have you got to have some swag, man. Something. Yeah, you, you really do, and it's it's hard to explain unless you've been there. And like you know, it, you couldn't walk out um, for kickoff at State of Origin and think I'm not good enough to be here, and yeah. then go on and have a good game. You've got to believe that you're in the right place, that it, that you belong there, that you're the best to perform your best. Yep. Um, and that's just magnified so much in a sport like swimming, where you can't rely on anybody else but yourself. So for me, that previous year to win the world championships, you know, I, I did have to instill a certain amount of belief in myself that that I was the best. But you know, I was still only 19 years of age, so yeah. a, a big part of it for me was I couldn't go anywhere at that time um, without people telling me how good I was. Yeah, and for sure, as a 19-year-old kid, if you pull any 19-year-old boy up and spend six months telling him that he's the best and every sort of interaction he has um, backs that up. Yeah. It's, it's hard for that not to then seep into some of your, 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 I guess, conversations with the media. But even looking back on it now, I have no regrets about it. Like the media asked me, I just won the world title. I hadn't been beaten in, you know, a couple of years or whatever. And they asked me, do you think you're going to win at the Olympic Games? Mm. And I just honestly said yes and if i was in that exact same position again to tomorrow i'd say the same thing so, yeah you know i expect to win why would i be out here training my ass off 30 hours a week if i didn't expect to win there was a period of time where swimmers were absolute rock stars you know if you talk just before yeah. the sydney olympics and all the way through basically to your the 2012 and even up to 2016 
They'd put yeah. Australian titles on TV. Swimmers were literally everywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it seems to yeah. have dropped off from that. Is that, do you reckon that's results driven? Like that we haven't um, had superstars in, in, in the pool over the last five years? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons behind that. The first one, I think I got pretty lucky. I was probably at the tail end of that. Um, but there's two main factors that, that I see that um, really killed swimming. So we went from Channel 9 uh, to 1HD. So we were one of the first sports to sign with 1HD when they announced that it was launching yeah. through Channel 10. So we went from prime time, 7.30, they'd have our nationals with Ray Warren commentating wow. to – um, 1HD kind of uh, on replay at 8.30 at night. Then that became a kind of variety channel. It wasn't even a sports channel anymore. So it got pushed even later. We were on after MASH reruns at like 10 p.m. at night. That so that was, the first nail. Yeah, that was the first nail in the coffin for swimming. The second nail was um, the sport got really worried about uh, its reputation and maintaining sponsorships for the sport as a whole. The relationships um, in Swimming Australia, you know, became strained. We had a change of administration. And the one thing that I noticed from the start of my career to the end was all the personality got drained out of swimming. And yeah, I was right. probably I was probably at the tail end of that in that, you know, I, I did show a bit of personality. Yeah, I had my fair share of um, controversies throughout my career, but um, I think people in some way or another were able to relate to me, whether yes. they loved me or hated me, they had they had an opinion on me. Yeah, for sure. And, and nowadays you talk to people about, oh, who's your favourite swimmer at the moment? They say, now they're like, oh, oh there's no fucking characters. Did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They say, oh, you know, they don't even know a lot of the swimmers today. No, Whereas at least when I was swimming, some people would say, oh, you know, I love, love James Magnuson or I love, you know, the missile. And, and some people yeah. would say, oh, I, I hate him. Yeah, but at least at least they. It makes you not sit on the fence, just like oh, I fucking yeah, love him or yeah. I hate him. That's it. Yeah, and and I was always I was always really content with that. If, if someone said they hate me, I'd say oh, better better that you hate me and know who I am than yeah. never heard of me. So that's the problem with swimming today. They're they're very safe. Everybody's the, the athletes are having the personality coached out of them. Yeah, everything we do. I think that's society, training. isn't it, Mags? It's society, yeah, isn't it? Like it is, you, yeah. you talk about rugby league or any sort of sport. You know, they always talk about how they want these characters back but once these people actually start stepping out of their own shadow and being themselves they just get fucking cut down so that's just the way things are in sport now and it's just it sucks and that's from swimming to rugby league to afl to everyone everybody and we're only talking within 10 years this whole switch has happened so this whole pc world and all this kind of bullshit is just killing most sports mate what a terrific bloke and i think there's enough in that that once again, we'll bring that out as it's standalone. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think most of these guys that we get on, and I'm very selective on who I do bring on the show because these guys, these guys do trust. They trust me. They trust you. They know it's, uh, we're not that show who's about clickbait and all those bullshit agendas which most podcasts are about. Um, and they end up speaking some real shit, uh, you know. But you know, he, he's a, he's a good dude, man. I told you that from the start. He was he was just a straight up guy. I just thought he was a, just a, a genuine dude, country boy. That was a that was that had a bit of a story to tell, and he does. You know, looking back, you know, eight years ago, that was two thousand twelve. He got he got crucified mm. wrongly. All he was was confident. One what, what one one hundredth second of a fucking second, whatever it is, bullshit. I'll call for a fucking rematch right now. <laughs> Tune in Monday. We'll if bring you've seen them. him on IG. He's looking jacked. 
He looks like me. <laughs> Tune in Monday, listen to the whole thing. You'll love it. Yeah, it's a great one. I'm sorry to tell you this, Will, but That's we're right. not going to have time for Kangaroo Tales this week. Hmm. Next week, do you know what? What about Origin Tales? Yeah, I've got a couple of those. I played in the Origin Arena for a couple of years and I got some real – I think you know, I was in the team that ended all bonding sessions. So That's a big effort from you too. Yeah. That's I ended – we ended it. Bonding night. So I think all the, all the kids now is like, oh, Origin's so good. Bonding sessions are awesome. And it's done. So I was, I, was, I was in that team. So I'll tell you exactly what happened. Not exactly what happened. But uh, it's it's a fun story, and like, you probably understand it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that harsh. People didn't deserve to get dropped. People didn't deserve anything. So it'll be interesting. It'll be good. Give me some know. time to think. I don't know if people agree with it. Was you know you did some stuff. But <laughs> I tell you one thing, William, and one thing I need to apologise for. If you go back and listen to our show, mm. there are two times when you're talking. Yeah, and what you can hear. Hang on, I'll let the people at home. I oh, know I've opened them all already. I've opened them already. <laughs> what I have done is I have opened a can of Young Henry's Newtowner and you can hear it in the thing. I don't think they reckon it's a can of fucking Pepsi or Coke, mate. Well, it's not, clearly. But I tell you what, I will promise that I will open all of my cans before you're talking because you talked well tonight. I'm very oh, proud thanks. of our show. At least it's not as loud as the people next door. They're still having a party. Yeah, they're still I fucking they're still going. I'm like, hey, just shut the fuck up for they're a minute, us. please. So what are we going to do next week? Uh, I'm not sure. Because um, footy's back. four weeks has been good. I mean, I think obviously the listeners, are they're loving it. It's just a different sort of vibe. We get to talk about football. We get to talk about just, say, the mentality of some young, of some uh, ex-athletes that I know. You know, it's good to get Joel Parkinson, John Stephenson, James Magnuson. I've got some other guys, you know, in my black book that I can come out and that are, that are like the, the supreme sort of athletes. They're not just your everyday sort of, yeah, I was half good, man. These dudes are like, were the best at their, at their craft. So I think a lot of our fans, a lot of our listeners want to hear that sort of stuff because we talk about footy all the time. I can talk about footy fucking 24-7. It's, it's quite easy. But to sort of, to try and talk to a guy like James Magnuson, John Stephenson and Joel Parkinson, you've got to take... It's a different sort of angle, isn't it? It is. You know, like me, you know, when, when we get our footy boys on, it's just a bit of a joke and like we already sort of know what we're all going to talk about. You're probably the only one who doesn't know what's going on. That's Do you nice. know what I mean? But, like, nice. but it's good because you ask such fucking in-depth questions. They've got to actually think about it because most of the questions that you get from most of the media are fucking stupid. Well, I think next week we've so got I'm footy sure. back. I, I'm not, I think we Let's, should maybe. We'll, we'll open the black book. We'll open the black book. I think we've got a couple more um, athletes in other other sports that I think that our our fan base will love. You know, Ned's has been really good with us. You know, with the punting, so it will go along those lines of horses and something like that. We'll try and get one of my boys that are a really good jockey. Hopefully, he answers the phone. If not, I'm coming for you. I'm not even going to mention his name. But um, you know, Ned's been good. But um, I think we haven't really given out. We're not that sort of show that's. We don't hunt for sponsors. We don't do anything like that. I mean, Neil Henry's gave us a case of alcohol. Neil Henry. Oh shit! Yeah, shit. <laughs> the ex Cowboys right. case. Anyway, anyway, we're not we're not we're not that sort of uh, we're not that sort of podcast or you know show that wants to you know give shout outs to sponsors. But I mean, like Young Henry's, I think they've realised how much piss we drink. And I've watched the show a little bit and said, oh, fuck here, have a, have a, have a slab of young Henry. So we're digging it. Um, but 
this is this goes into a segue into into Bondi Boost. Bondi Boost is a is a brand. It's just it's just like it's a hairdresser's brand. It's it's. I think if if you're a listener, you won't know about it, but I bet your fucking missus does, or your girlfriend does, or someone, or your cousin, or whatever, because it's all about women know about this shit. But they do a men's line, which Ian I think has been using. Because Are you saying that his our, hair is beautiful? Is our think, audience predominantly men? From that comment, well, no, I just I'm think, sure there's girls out there listening. I to think us. maybe I think it's probably two, maybe five percent of our listeners, but most of them are guys, and they love that. Hey, if you want some fucking presents or something, I know the boys down in Bondi Boost. I know the owner. He's quite. He's he's just he doesn't know fuck all about football, but he loves our show. So that's the sort of demographic in the people that we're reaching out to. If your hair was decent, you wouldn't be wearing a beanie. My hair's beautiful, and it's nonstop. It's crispy. The fade is crispy all the time. You know it. <laughs> If we are going to continue to be the number 20 show in Panama and also rating in Hong Kong, what you guys are going to need to do yeah. is to rate and review. Well, actually, you're probably just going to listen to us. Is that? Yeah, I think it's good enough. I mean, we're going right. I think uh, we're happy with 12 at the moment, but we're coming for the number one spot. I'm not even concerned about Australia. I want to crack yeah. Panama and I want Ecuador. to go into South America and get real deep. Costa Why are we so big in South America, Will? <laughs> I don't know. There's some friends in... I've got a couple of friends in Costa Rica I used to play rugby union with. Joe Van Niekerk lives there. Shout out to Joe. He's a weird He's dude. holding it down, man. Yeah, well, holding maybe he listened to our show 400 do times. Ayahuasca, ayahuasca session with him when I get there. Look out. I'll be following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Fuck. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you. You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network. 